0: Welcome to the Living Strategically podcast, episode 10. We are Reed and Elizabeth Hewitt, a husband and wife team that lives in South Texas. For our day jobs, we are communications consultants, and we also run Living Strategically.
1: Where we're all about helping you strategically pursue your God-given purpose and make the most of your time on earth.
0: Now we have a lot to talk about today, and in particular, we get to talk about something that we've been looking forward to for a while. Earlier this month, one of our favorite authors released a new book, and we're going to give you a little preview of what it covers. The book is called The Oracle by Messianic Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. We've read all of Jonathan Kahn's books, and we give them out as gifts because they are so valuable and filled with information that's just so critical for this day and age.
1: This new book fits in nicely with our current podcast series where we've been discussing our five pillars of living a strategic life. And today we're going to explore the last two pillars, which are prophetic urgency and biblical framework. So let's dive in. And first off, we're going to cover the basics here. Read why don't you answer the main question, are we living in the end times?
0: That really is the first thing you have to consider when you talk about living with a prophetic urgency in your life? Now, the answer to that question is, yes, we are living in the end times. But that answer needs a little bit more of an explanation. The world has been in the end times, really, since the first century AD. The apostles considered themselves to be living in the end times. And that's just the period between the new covenant beginning and the return of Jesus to the earth. So that's the end times big picture. I think you can look at what's going on in the world and see that the things that have to happen leading up to the return of Christ are happening with more clarity, more frequency, more intensity. So are we close? Yes. What does close mean? It means whatever God defines it to mean, and that may not end up being as close as we think, and we may be closer than we think. As one prophecy teacher I heard uh, described it, he said today we are one day closer to the end than we were yesterday.
1: Oh, I like that. The Bible definitely says the time is short and we need to keep an eternal mindset. And if you would like to dig in deeper into the signposts that we're watching for in the end times, about a year ago, Reed wrote an awesome article kind of summarizing all the signposts and just what to be looking for on God's timetable for the last days. And you can visit our website at livingstrategically.com and scroll down on that homepage. At the very bottom, click on End Times Prophecy. And the article is called End Times Signposts.
0: As we do look for those signposts for the end times, something that's really critical is for us to have discernment, to discern those signs of the times and to just be aware of where we're at. Um, and that's where having a good foundational knowledge of the scripture is so important.
1: We read in Hosea 4, 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children.
0: Those are really stern words because it's such an important warning. For God's people not to neglect the knowledge of his word and his teaching. In this day and age, we see so much of that turning away from the ways of God as a culture at large, just the the secularization of Christian culture and American culture, Western culture. It's turning more and more away from God. And I think a lot of that has to do with God's people not knowing God's word. I really see two different problems that come out of that, uh, that situation where God's people don't know God's Word. The first is that turning away the apostasy, people who maybe grew up in a Christian home, but it doesn't stick, they go the way of the world, or their children go the way of the world, that turning away completely from God. The other problem that comes from God's people not knowing God's Word is maybe even more dangerous. And that's where false teachers can come up and twist the word of God to promote themselves and to make themselves money, or even uh, denominations or governments can use religion as a way to control people when people don't know what the Bible actually says. And they get drawn in and controlled by these religious-sounding ideas, even when they're contrary to the word of God.
1: And it says in First Thessalonians five, twenty one through twenty two, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil.
0: Absolutely. And that comes back to the discernment. And the best way to build that is to just take in the Word of God every day. Get that daily nourishment for your spiritual muscles. Another consequence of this sort of apostasy that's happening at large in Western culture is that I think there are not going to be so many cultural Christians left. You know, the people who are, who are Christians, but it's only kind of skin deep. It's sort of the, the, the church club kind of Christian where it's a social thing, but it's not a heart thing. There won't be so much incentive to call yourself a Christian if you don't really believe it because the world more and more is going to be against that. And it'll be easier to just have nothing to do with the ways of God if you don't truly believe it through and through. But as the the dark is getting darker, we have to be all the more committed to being brighter lights and being more committed to the ways of God.
1: It's just like Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4, 5, and 6, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Those are two crucial elements of living in the end times, being alert and and sober. And we read that throughout the New Testament. Stay on the alert because we don't know the hour that our Lord is coming back, but we need to be ready.
0: That readiness is part of the prophetic urgency that we talk about. It's urgency in the sense of the time may be short. So, uh, you know, make hay while the sun's shining. It's all part of that prophetic urgency.
1: So we are definitely living in the end times. And one of the key witnesses to that is the nation of Israel. And that's the topic of Jonathan Cahn's new book, The Oracle. The subtitle is The Jubilee Mysteries Unveiled. And he basically summarizes the history of the nation of Israel and bases it on a biblical framework, but he unpacks so many details that we had never heard before. Some of it we've heard from his sermons, but there was so much more information regarding the history of the nation of Israel. So it is a fascinating read.
0: It really is. And that surface level purpose of the book is showing that Israel and the reemergence of the nation of Israel and the world is a fulfillment of specific Bible prophecy that was made thousands of years ago and was fulfilled in the way that it was prophesied through events in modern times, things that we think of as recent history. And we maybe kind of overlooked some of the less known prophecies that even if we read them, uh, we wouldn't have recognized them as recent historical events in the 18 and 1900s. So having him go through that history and show very specific things, very critical things in the history of the nation of Israel that fit so perfectly with prophecy, that's fascinating in and of itself. Maybe even the more important aspect of this book is just showing how the patterns that God has established in his word and scripture and the themes and these recurring elements and uh, metaphors that that God has established in the Bible are patterns that he still uses. The jubilee, the 50-year period that brings about a return of people to land that they've lost, a wiping out of debt, just a, a reset, a return, a redemption every 50 years that was something that God established in the Old Testament, and this book shows how that same pattern, not the literal ritual fulfillment of it by people like observing it as a law, but that pattern still happens and still plays out, and it can be seen in the events that brought Israel back into the world, and that's just fascinating to learn about.
1: Jonathan Cotton says it's seeing the fingerprints of God in the prophetic fulfillment of the nation of Israel being reborn, which happened in 1948. And it absolutely is just the fingerprints of God. We read in Deuteronomy 28 and 30, God saying, I will bless you if you are obedient, or I will curse you if you go against the ways of God. And he says he will scatter the Jewish people among the whole earth for a time, but then he will restore them from captivity. He'll have compassion on them. And in Deuteronomy 30 verses four and five, it says, if your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there, the Lord, your God will gather you. And from there, he will bring you back. The Lord, your God will bring you into the land, which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it And he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And that was fulfilled in 1948. We saw prophecy come to life.
0: In one place in the book, uh, Jonathan Kahn says, thousands of years ago, it was all there at the beginning of their history, the history of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. The return of the Jewish people to their ancient land would be the sign of the end times. And... A lot of people did recognize the rebirth of Israel as a nation as fulfillment of prophecy, but it's really fun to dig in and see so many more details that fit together that say it wasn't just the fulfillment of a prophecy, but there was a whole sequence of events that fulfilled a whole sequence of prophecies, starting from the nation being destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans, Uh, Israel was wiped off the map, Uh, the people were scattered, and then finally their return to their homeland, uh, which was truly a miracle by the hand of God. And it shows us all the more that God is active and he's still working out his plan and that history is still moving forward. The modern era is not some post-God era you know you hear the term post-christian set of our culture but you know the world doesn't move on from god's plan even if it tries to it's really just moving into the the plan that god has already laid out and already spoken of through his prophets
1: so in 1867 the ottoman empire had control over the holy land and they went to war and had debts that caused them to enact the Ottoman land code that was the first sign that the Jewish people may have a chance to come back to the Holy Land. They started selling the land and Jewish people started purchasing parcels of the Holy Land starting in 1867. Then the next milestone was in 1917. Yes, 50 years later, with the Balfour Declaration. This was a proclamation made by the British Empire that the Jewish people had the blessing of the British Empire to return to the Holy Land.
0: And the British Empire had just gained control of the land of Israel uh, in World War I. So they had the position to make this declaration at that point in time.
1: And it really instilled a hope into the Jewish people that they had a huge empire backing them, kind of opening the door for more of the Jewish people to come back to the Holy Land. And one of the things that Jonathan Cotton discusses is how each of the Jubilean years sets in motion the events of the next cycle. So in 1917, there was this initiation of the Jewish people coming back But unfortunately, the blessing of the British Empire didn't last long. I'll read an excerpt from the book. In chapter 26 it says, But in the years in between the two world wars, the British Empire would change its policy and turn against the return it had once championed. The Empire would block ships carrying Jewish refugees from the Holocaust to the land of Israel. It was now warring against the return, the prophecies, and the mystery. Therefore, in a short time, the largest empire the world had ever seen would collapse into near nothingness, and it would be forced to relinquish the promised land. Another power would then stand in favor of Israel's restoration and the return of the Jewish people, America.
0: And in that post-World War II era in the late 1940s, it was America that was the first nation to uh, support Israel and recognize the newly formed nation of Israel in 1948 as a legitimate nation. Uh, Harry Truman was president at the time and he immediately recognized Israel, uh, which was a nation that was also immediately under attack and having the support of, of the United States was a major blessing to Israel at that time. And that time period also corresponds with America's Uh, rise to sort of world superpower status um, which from World War I it had been becoming one of the world powers but after World War II America was the preeminent superpower and that happened to coincide with America being a supporter and proponent of the nation of Israel. Fast forward a little bit to 1967 and you have the Six-Day War, and this is a war during which Israel is attacked from all sides by their Arab neighbors. However, they end up triumphing and not only being the victors, but they regain the city of Jerusalem, which was uh, a major restoration for the people of Israel. And notice 1967, that's 50 years after Balfour Declaration in 1917. Uh, So you have this 50-year period to the restoration of Jerusalem to the people of Israel, and that's what the Jubilee is all about. If you had land, ancestral land that you lost, it's restored in the Jubilee. So that 50-year pattern is showing up again. But in the aftermath of the Six-Day War, something interesting happened. No nation in the world would recognize that Jerusalem belonged to Israel. And you have this strange period of time where Israel's capital is Jerusalem, but no other country in the world will recognize Israel as being the capital of Jerusalem, or even Israel you know, having control of Jerusalem. And Jonathan Cahn kind of captures the irony of that in the book where he says, but if any nation had a right to any city, it was Israel to Jerusalem, the only nation whose title deed to its land and capital was the word of God itself, End quote. And that's so true. And it's also just a sign of how the world and especially the rulers of the world are so dead set against God's plan. So fast forward another 50 years to 2017, and you have this very kind of interesting and unexpected event, which is that President Trump is the first world leader to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So this 50-year period of political limbo for for Israel and Jerusalem is ended at the 50-year mark from when Israel regained Jerusalem. Uh, so you have Trump who just comes out and says, this is the obvious truth. I don't know why we're all pretending to like skirt around this thing. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And he moved the embassy of the U.S. to Jerusalem. Uh, so that's just another thing in this progression of significant events in the restoration of Israel that happen on this 50-year cycle. So those are some of the, the facts and the patterns that Jonathan Cahn lays out in this book and where it all leads to is that uh, when you continue in the direction that prophecy points, just as in ancient times the people of Israel turned away from God and then they were driven out of their land and the end as they return to their land there also has to be a corresponding return to God. And the messianic movement among Jewish people really kicked off and gained momentum in the 60s and especially following the Six-Day War. So there is that corresponding current happening as well as the, the physical return of the people. Now, of course, by and large, the Jewish people are not believers in their Messiah. However, that's part of what is coming according to the word of God.
1: And that would be just another sign that we are living in the end times. Jonathan Kahn also takes it to another level. And let me quote from his book. He says, So the world must return to the state in which it existed at the beginning of the age, a state devoid of biblical foundations and alien to Judeo-Christian values and faith. When a civilization departs from biblical values, it will return to pagan ones. So that's another sign that we're already seeing a slow progression, or maybe we should say regression, of the values declining, morals declining, that return of the world to its pagan roots.
0: If you haven't read Jonathan Kahn's newest book, The Oracle, we definitely recommend it. And we've barely scratched the surface here about all the fascinating details about Israel's prophetic return as a nation and mysteries of the Jubilee. So you'll have to get a copy of the book to read more.
1: It's so fitting that Jonathan Kahn was the topic that started off this current series, and now he's helping us to end the series as well. We have been so blessed by his ministry. It's called Hope of the World. We hope you'll check it out online. And as we wrap up here, don't forget to check out the article on our website that Reed wrote about a year ago. It can be found at livingstrategically.com. Scroll down on the bottom of the homepage to End Times Prophecy, and then click on the article called End Times Signpost. It's a great summary of the next signpost to watch out for on God's timetable for the last days.
0: Also, if you would like to get in touch, you can email us at podcast at livingstrategically.com. And if you have received value from this episode, would you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes? That really helps more people discover the podcast.
1: All right, y'all. Until next time.
0: Keep living strategically.